we have been talking about the power of one. We've been talking about singleness. Uh, last week I explained uh, that we, I haven't in all my years of ministry, I've never addressed uh, couples. I've never, I've, I'm sorry, I've always addressed couples, marriage, and all those kinds of things, but I have never addressed the singles in our church. Uh, just to kind of recap why I did this, um, a few weeks ago on Bible study on Wednesday nights, going through 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and 8, uh, we talked a lot about marriage, uh, discussed a lot of the blessings of it, a lot of the struggles of it, and a lot of things that Paul addressed in marriage as it pertains to marriage and divorce and so on and so forth. And we were discussing that on a Wednesday night, and I looked around and I noticed that in our Wednesday night crowd there was just a ton of singles. Whether they were just young who have never, never married, those who were divorced, widows, widowers, uh, and, and maybe and people just who had never married, just unmarried, period. Folks, we, we've got a lot in our church. It, it's, it really set a, a thing in my heart to really look at and recognize that we have so many unmarried folks in our church that I began to sit down and count through uh, every, excuse me, everybody that was there. And as I began to look at it, I noticed that uh, we have 50 plus who could be here on any given Sunday who are single, whether they're widow, widower, divorced, or just unmarried. Uh, we have a lot of those, and that number did not include our, our teenagers who are under the age of 18, uh, and it didn't even include those who are almost 18. It didn't even include those who are not married and in relationship. I just literally counted those who are, are seriously uh, single at this time. And folks, that's a third. We have probably more than a third if we count those who are unmarried but are moving toward marriage. So there, there's, that's a large number. And the Lord laid it on my heart and said, Bob, uh, why, don't you, you know, why aren't you considering this? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody ever teaches to single people, do they? Unless it's a singles conference, God, right? Nobody ever talks to single people. And even last Sunday, I would talk to several folks who are single and said, Pastor, in all the years I've ever come to church, ever in my entire life, I've never heard a minister teach on the power of one and being single. Never one time. But that week, last week, Valentine's week, I sit there and it was Tuesday and it was Valentine's Day and of course I did what everybody does. I opened Facebook. And I see all the pictures, you know, us together, us, us, we're awesome and all this stuff. And, and for the first time in my life, I saw all of it through the eyes of a single person. And it hit me that the celebration of the couples and the marriage is a wonderful thing. But to people who are single, sometimes they struggle with that thought of, wow, Am I less than? Do I matter? And all of these different things. And I'll say this. I, I saw it and in, in, in the Lord spoke to me and said, Bob, are you ever going to teach on this or am I going to keep bugging you for three more weeks? So I changed my plans. I, I dropped, scrapped what I was doing and, and uh, threw things together later that week. Last week probably looked like I threw things together, probably. I don't know. But, but I'm just grateful that, that God is a God that loves all of us in all situations and all circumstances. Amen. So last week and this week, I'm addressing our singles in the room. And uh, as I told our married folks last week, listen, don't check out on me just because I'm addressing singles. There's something here for all of us to learn. Amen? Don't do that. They've sat through all your marital teachings. They've sat through all your family teachings. And they've been well-behaved and attentive. Now it's your turn to sit back and listen. Right, single people? Can I get an amen for that one? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. So this morning, we want to continue to talk about these things and uh, encourage us last week, just to kind of recap what we finished talking about last week. 
just so that we know where we're at right now. Last week we finished off with this passage of scripture in Colossians chapter 2. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. And the message there at the end of the service last week was to all of us, but especially our singles who I was addressing, allow Christ to be the fullness in our lives. If, if we are full of Christ then that means we're not lacking in anything. I love that term fullness. I love to get full on food. Amen? And it's nice to get full. If I'm full, I'm not lacking anything. Want or need, that means I'm full. And Christ wants to be the fullness in our lives. He is the fullness of God in Himself. And then also now through the Spirit in our lives, an opportunity for fullness. He wants to bless us. Amen? It's what He wants to do. And so in, in the single life, don't get distracted and don't get desperate in searching for a maid or searching or worried about other things. Listen, throw yourself into the fullness of who Christ is and allow Him to transform your life. And who knows what's going to happen. Last week we finished up talking about Joseph and how what I loved about Joseph was is that as a single man, he was able to see God fulfill most of the dreams and visions in his life before he ever was married. And so many times our singles will shut themselves out of ministry. And too many times churches and ministries and organizations have shut out single people because they have not, they're not equipped because they are not married and therefore it's too dangerous or it's too hard or whatever else. Folks, we cannot do that because God is able. Amen? And He's powerful. And He works in their lives. Joseph is a great example. Paul's a great example. We'll talk about some of these. But ultimately, we want to allow ourselves to be full of Christ, cast ourselves into the river of His presence and what He's doing in our lives, the passions in our lives, and then He will bring rivers converge. Remember, we talked about this at the end of the service last week. Rivers converge and they come together. And before long, bless God, you're going to look up. And you're going to see a young man or a young lady that's in the same flow and the same stream and the same passion for God as you and and, and you're in step. That's how God works. Amen? That's how He works. So today, I I talked about last week that God sees you, He hears you, and He loves you. And this week, I I want you to know that God wants to use you. You are usable for His kingdom. There are many great things that you can do as a single person in His kingdom. And there are some things that you are able to do better than married people. You ready to get started? Let's do this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. As you turn there, I want to just encourage you with this. I'm kind of getting ahead of my notes. That yes, I, I don't apologize on teaching on marriage and I don't apologize on the blessing that's there because I believe it's true. I experienced that in my life. But at the same time, uh, God, uh, when, when, when the Lord called us, and when he, he spoke to the disciples, we must grasp and understand that as he was ascending into heaven, before he ascended into heaven, he spoke to a large group of, of his disciples, correct? And he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? Now what he told them? The Great Commission. And in that group of people was married people and single people. It was both. He spoke marriage... In singleness, has, there is no definitive in the, in, in the call of God or the Great Commission that says you have to be married or you have to be single. The call is to go. And it's to everybody. And then when you look in the book of uh, the Acts chapter 2 and you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on them at that time, the anointing or the affirmation or call of prophets, if you will, for the New Testament, sending them out, the Lord poured out His Spirit 
on those same people. And in that room were people who were both married and people who were single. Now, when you look at Acts chapter 2, and, uh, and, and Peter gives reference to the prophecy of Joel, and the prophet Joel speaks, and he, he talks about the young and the old, and he talks about your sons and your daughters prophesying, right? But he doesn't say married people or single, single people. It's to all of us. So, so single person today, as we're going through this, if you have ever sold yourself short and thought, I can't until I'm married, or, or I'm less than until I'm married, or, or I need this or I need that before I obey the Lord in my calling, I want to encourage you that God has called you and anointed you as you are. Throw yourself into the plan of God in your life and allow the other things, the peripheral things of life, whether it be marriage, a spouse, whatever it may be, allow God to take care of that and don't let it destroy your life and your perception of who you are. You are valuable just as you are. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We see a passage here in verses 9 through 12 that I have used many times, and uh, as a pastor doing weddings, I emphasize the marital relationship a lot of times using this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. A lot of ministers do. And today, I want to read this, and, and let's just look at it. Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, as we look at this, we see the references oftentimes that are used in marital ceremonies where we talk about the two and the strength of having two and the fact that there's two there and the fact that there's a cord of three strands, the two joined together with Christ, and that is the strength of their marriage and their relationship. All of these things are true, and I don't want to discredit these things because these are benefits of marriage. True? Are they not? They are. But at the same time, This is not just referencing marriage. Do you see husband and wife in this? Do you see spouse in this? (laughs) Do you? No. You see the word friend. Well, my wife's my friend. Well, yeah, but, but so is my buddy. Amen? So a lot of times, here's, here's why I'm going to teach on this today. You ready? Because here's how our enemy works. We all have read the passage about Jesus being in the wilderness where he was fasting and he was hungry and at the appropriate time the enemy came and attacked him, right? And, and tempted him. How did he attack Jesus? How did he approach him? With Scripture. He took Scripture, twisted it out of context and used it and the Lord redirected him with what? Scripture. That's why we measure Scripture against Scripture so that we know what God's really saying to us and speaking to our hearts. Now, to take this passage and address marriage is not taking it out of context. It is a portion of it. Amen? But what the enemy likes to do to single people is hear a passage like this and see this where they say, if if a man, pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Well, that's me. I'm single. I have no one to keep me warm. I have nobody to help defend me. I'm going to be overpowered. A cord of three strands. All this stuff, it's like, well, I'm just, now I'm just not strong and I'm just not this and that. Listen, single person, 
This right here, I want us to grasp this today because it's so vitally important that while there are benefits in marriage and while that may address marriage, that also addresses you. This passage is not against you. It's for you. The scripture and the word of God is never against you. It's for you. Now there's judgments there and there's hardships there that we read and see, but ultimately the truths that are in it, whether we like them or not, or whether we understand them completely or not, they are for us and not against us. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let's just pull this apart and begin to look at it and get it in the right perspective from a single point of view and help us to understand this. Verse 9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. I want us to know and understand, number one, that, that it's the Lord that brings a return. It's God that brings a return in our lives, not just another person. Now, the natural of this, I'm not going to deny it. If I'm out working in my yard, it's nice to have another set of hands with me. If I'm digging in the garden, it's nice to have somebody else digging right along with me. Right? For the natural sense, the work that's being done, you get a lot more done when you got somebody working with you. But for a single person in a spiritual perspective, it's easy to look at this and say, you know what? I don't have anybody working for me and working with me. That is wrong thinking. Because when it comes to the work of the Lord, and when it comes to the call of God upon our lives, you are never alone. You are never working in the field of God alone. You have not been called to an empty natural field with with no workers. You have been called into the field of God where the workers of God are all around you on a regular basis. You have ministers down the road working with you. You have lay people down the road working with you. You have people in the next classroom in that Sunday school class working with you. You are not alone. You have never been alone. And when God calls you to do something, you are not alone in His field. You are not a pitiful person who will not do anything good. I have met too many people that put so much pressure on themselves and so many things on themselves. They say, I am going to fail. I'm not going to do good enough. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Listen, it's not about that. It's You are not alone. You have a God that's with you that said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You have brothers and sisters in Christ where the scripture says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We can't put all of our faith and our return on the people that are around us. We have to trust God with what it is that we're doing and see the fruit that comes forth from it. In, in Matthew 9, 37, 38, it said, Jesus said this, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. His harvest field, not fields, one field. Workers, plural, field one. You are not alone. There is going to be a return for the work that you are doing because the seed that you are sowing is good seed. It's the seed of the Word of God and you don't have to have five people around you to do it. You can do that by yourself in your workplace. You don't have to have a spouse at home cheering you on saying, Go honey, go honey, go honey, go honey. You can do it without that. You're not alone. You're not less than. And you are able to minister. And secondly, the results belong to the Lord. Can I tell you this, that we we oftentimes, oh, I pastor, I just don't know. I don't know if I can do this. The the work that is equated as the Lord's work in the Word of God is is that of farming, seed sowing and reaping a harvest. Can I tell you this, that the seed doesn't care whether you're married or or not as long as it gets sowed. 
The seed doesn't care whether a married person plants it or a single person plants it. It just wants planted so that it can die and that it can spring forth fruit. Amen? That's what a seed cares about. And the harvest doesn't care whether it's a single person that's harvesting or whether it's a married person that's harvesting. The fact is, is that it's being harvested. That's the plan of God for our lives. And it doesn't matter. Child of God, you can plant as many seeds as you want. You can't make seeds grow. That's up to God. You can have 30 guys planting two seeds in the ground, or you can have one person planting two seeds in the ground. The difference is this. It still depends on God to make them grow. You can have 50 people planting 5,000 seeds, or you can have one person planting 100 seeds. And you have to decide and sit here and say, they're not any better than me. They may be covering more area, but ultimately, it's God that brings in the harvest. It's God that makes it grow. Listen, child of God, don't discredit yourself because you see yourself as one. One is powerful. One person planting seed is going to produce a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times more than what you put in the ground. Don't discredit what you do. You are a child of God, and God wants to bring fruit through your life. He wants to bring a harvest of souls through you. He called you, not me, to your life. Only you can reach your family. Only you can reach your co-workers. Only you can reach the people in your environment, in your community. Don't, don't say, well, God didn't call. Listen, you are valuable. You are usable. And the Holy Spirit will use any willing vessel. There is no, there is, there is no requirement from the Lord to make sure that you're married. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says this in verses 6 and 7, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Everybody say this with me. You ready? Say, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. <laughs> A bunch of nobodies. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter. You just, you just sow and water Paul was a single man. I don't know if Paulos was single or not, but, but they both were working together. Amen? Not alone. Their ministries were separate, but their work was together and brought about fruit. So don't discredit yourself because I'm, I'm just one. Thirdly, under this thought, is, is the fact that there is a benefit for a single... Do you know that for single people, you have a greater opportunity than a married person? I'm talking about Paul here. This, these Paul's were right now, everybody gasp. Just gasp and get it out of your system. <gasps> Pastor Bob just smacked married people in the face. No. I'm going to read this whole, now it's quite a bit of reading, but I'm going to read it in context. Follow along with me and see what Paul's saying here. I'll explain it just a little bit quickly. For those of you that are on Wednesday night Bible study, trust me, I won't go on and on about it like I did Wednesdays. Verse 29 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none, and those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, and those who buy something as if it it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in body both 
both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may, excuse me, may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is acting improperly towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting on in years and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. Now somebody say, Pastor, what this does even better thing, does Paul not like marriage? No. The context he's speaking about, he says, is a current crisis. In other words, they were facing persecution. It was in times. The, the serious things were happening in Corinth at the time. And Paul's saying, why get married and drag your family through all this? Stay focused on the call of God. Go and impact this culture right now while the time is short. Make sure that you're able to make a huge impact on this culture. That's all he was encouraging them with. And he was telling them this, that as individuals that, that are unmarried, they have an opportunity to have an undivided focus on the purpose and call of God. They can, they can throw themselves completely into it and not have to worry about what their husband or their wife thinks. <laughs> can I just say something real quick? When you get married, you have to worry about what your husband or your wife thinks. Because if you don't think about what your husband or wife thinks, they're going to tell you what they're thinking. In all fairness, you have a responsibility at home. When you take on a spouse, when you take on a wife, or you, t- you have a husband, you have a responsibility at home that you cannot ignore. It's a command of God. You have to have, an un- you have, to have a divided faith in there so that you can maintain your responsibilities at home and your responsibilities in the ministry. But for a single person, it takes away one of those responsibilities so that they can put themselves completely into the plan of God for their lives and to be most effective. So single person, don't take yourself out of the scenario and say, well, I'm not married or I'm not this, I'm not that. I I told you last week, I'm guilty. I've I've had wrong thoughts before about marriage and and, uh, ministry and things of that nature. I have been wrong. And folks, I'm telling you, the truth is this. The power of Christ in you is able to use you in powerful ways. And for us married people, you're going to have more time that you can devote. You're going to have more opportunities that you can devote and throw yourself into the ministry. I encourage you to do that because God wants to use you in powerful ways. At some point, I'm going to have to leave and go home and take care of my wife. But for you, if you feel passionate about serving God in certain ways and in abilities, then continue to do it. If that's where the love of Christ is in your heart and that's where you feel most fulfilled and excited and joyful in what you're doing, then do it. Outwork me in it. Amen? Be undivided in your focus. So don't shorten, take yourself out of the scenario and say, well, because I'm working by myself, that there'll be no return. That's a misconception, a misunderstanding. The enemy wants to use it against you. Secondly, it is the Lord that helps us up. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 10. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Pity that guy. Nobody to help him up. Isn't that awful? In the natural, again, it's a wonderful thing to have a spouse to encourage us. However, marriage is only a part of this in what's being said. It's not the only thing. The encouragement of a friend is a good thing. And folks, we have to grasp this today. That it's saying friend. We all have friends that can encourage us, build us up, and and, and pick us up out of the pit. Amen? 
But I got to tell you this, at some point, your spouse is going to let you down. Married people, just look straight at me, not at your spouse, and shake your head. At some point, everybody right now is looking to see if April was shaking her head. Did you shake your head? Have I ever let you down? Okay. Everybody's like, Pum. they're going to let you down. Listen, people are people, are people and, and people mess up. And, and for single people, you can say, well, I've got to have a group of friends that are going to help me out. And that's wonderful. Folks, we all need those. Amen. We've got to have a support system. And you've got a room for single people. You've got a room full of people here and also in the early service who of people who love you and will do whatever they can to help pick you up out of the pit when you mess up. But even we will let you down. Because we're imperfect. So what's the point? The point is this. That yes, pity us if we have nobody to pick us up. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you serve and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you indwelled with His Holy Spirit because you have believed upon Him and been saved by the blood of Jesus? If that's you, then you can't be alone no matter how hard you try. And there is one who will never fail you. The Lord Jesus will never fail you in moments when you're at the lowest. When all else have deserted you, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God is omniscient, but He is also omnipresent and He is omnipotent, meaning He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He is always 100% there whether you perceive Him or not. He will pick you up, He will dust you off, and put you on your way. The Scripture talks about Him who, who pulled me out of the miry clay. He used to sing that song, He pulled me out of the miry clay, He set my feet on a rock to stay. Isn't that right? He put a song in my soul today. Something like that. Something, hallelujah. I know it ended with hallelujah. That, that pass, that's a song taken from the scripture. That passage. That's what he does. He picks us up out of the pit. That's the work of Christ in our lives. Listen, single person. Don't let the enemy tell you you have no one. And no one cares. And nobody thinks you have friends here. And even when we are not there, the Spirit of Christ is always there to pick you up out of the pit. Don't pity yourself. Don't get the pitimiitis. Amen? And don't become a married person thinking that this person next to me solves all of my problems and will never let me down. Amen? Because I hate to tell you, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Because they, days as human as they come. And here's the bad thing. When I'm talking about them, I'm also talking about you and myself. We're going to fall short. We're not going to be able to be sufficient enough to always encourage. We're not always, always going to be able to be sufficient enough to build them. You know, sometimes I'm grouchy. I told April just the other day, I said, I'm just grouchy. You ever just get grouchy? I don't do it very often, but this day, I don't know, I just was grouchy. Just, I think I needed a nap, grouchy nap. You know what I'm saying? You get grouchy and somebody says, you need to take a nap, you're grouchy. I wish somebody would have told me, go take a nap. Just grouchy. There's no way I could have encouraged her that day if I wanted to. because I just any, If she'd have had a problem at all that day, I would have said, what's the matter with you? You know what I'm saying? We all have our shortcomings, amen? But the Spirit of Christ will always encourage us. He's always there. He hasn't left you. He hasn't deserted you. In Psalm 121, listen to this. And this is truth for all of us. Uh, verses 1 through 8. 
says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. If you are a single person, go into Psalm 21 and just put a little asterisk or a star or underline or something by that. And on the days that you're feeling that you got the pity meitis, go in there and read it. And remind yourself the word that says you. <laughs> you. To the married people, when your husband or your wife lets you down a little bit and they've had a grouchy day and you really needed them to encourage you, just mark this in your Bibles and go and read it every once in a while that God's not deserted you and He's not left you behind. There is no singleness in us that, it, that God is destroying us. He is with us. He sees us. And we know that this Jesus ha- has said that uh, is the same Jesus that said even though He was going to suffer alone, He would not be alone because His Father was with Him. You say, what are you talking about? The disciples were going to leave Him and He knew it. And He said, even though all others are going to desert me i will not be alone because my father is with me folks even if all people desert you even if you have one of those days where everything goes wrong and you don't feel like anybody can listen or anybody's got an ear for you remind yourself that even if everyone deserts me my father is still with me and he will encourage you listen god is the god who picks up things out of the pit jesus confronted the pharisees and said you who think you're so spiritual if you had a mule that fell into a pit would you not have enough mercy to go over and pull it out that same day on the sabbath and he said for that reason it is healthy for me and right for me to heal on the sabbath god is a god who sees his children in suffering and he does not desert them he is merciful he is kind and trust me if you're struggling single person with thoughts of loneliness he is able ask him ask him to reveal himself to you and he is able and he will encourage your soul i promise you I promise you, there have been times, as much as I love my wife, where she couldn't understand completely how I felt in moments. And I know that there have been times where she knew that I couldn't fully understand the pains and things that she was going through in her life at that moment. And it's at those moments, even as a married couple, that you have to go back to Christ. You have to. So single person, you're no different. You, you, you are focused upon the opportunity to allow Christ to minister to you in these situations. Thirdly, it is the Lord that will hide us, defend us, and meet all of our needs. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 11 and 12. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. It, you know, it's easy for a person to look at this and say, see how lacking I am? I don't have someone with me to defend me. I don't have someone with me to meet my daily needs and my provisions. And and how am I going to do this? I, I don't understand how I can do this. Listen, God is the God of provision. God is the God of meeting needs. All of my provision and all of my needs in my life were not met by my wife. They can't be. The spiritual walk that I have with Christ, she may encourage me on it and she may walk with me on it. We may discuss things and talk about things together, encourage each other in it, but she does not supply all my needs. Go ahead and say amen because I'm right on that. Thank you. And I, there is no way that she could supply my needs, all my needs, and there is no way as hard as I try, I cannot be God in her life. There's no way. 
Single person? Married people are lacking too. Without Christ. We all must have Christ. Amen? Listen. A single person depending upon the Spirit of Christ in their life is much better off than a married couple who depends solely on one another rather than Christ Himself. Trust me. So, so don't let the enemy tell you that you're not good enough. All believers have got to rest assured knowing that God is with us and He has charge over our lives, that He is our provision, that He's our protection. Another psalm, Psalm 91, a lot of reading again, but bear with me. Take everything to heart that the psalmist says here. If you're a single person, man, this should be highlighted in all of our Bibles, but especially for those of us that maybe struggle with moments of, of loneliness and fear. Verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will hide, uh, will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your, at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands and so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for the acknowledgement, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You, you are not alone. This God. This God walks with you. He will deliver you. He will stand with you. He will give His angels charge over you. The true warmth and peace and blessing of God that comes from God. All of that comes from Him. The scripture says in Psalm 23 that He'll make you lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside quiet waters. He'll restore your soul. Folks, this is the heart of our God. We know this that He will restore your soul. And at the end of that psalm, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and then I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Every time I read that passage, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know what I get an image of in my head? Every single time. I get an image of Israel walking through the wilderness with the presence of God in front of them, a fire at night and a cloud by day, providing manna, providing quail, providing water, blessing them. Folks, listen, they had the the greatest blessing that anybody has ever had on the face of this earth and they couldn't even grasp it and it was right in front of them the leading of the holy spirit every day there was the goodness and mercy and blessing of god every day there was water every day there was man every day there was meat every day there was promises of god in front of them all they had to do was follow every day surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life child of god single person married person doesn't matter who you are if you have made the lord the lord of your life then that goodness and that mercy is not only following you every day of your life it is in you it is directing you it is ministering to you it is raising you up it is training you it is teaching you it is releasing you just as the disciples were released by jesus to minister 
Goodness and mercy. The provision, the protection, the hand of God is on your life. Moses said, Lord, don't, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send me up from this place. Why? Because Moses understood the defining factor in his life was the presence of God going before him. It was their protection. It was their covering. It was their provision. It was all things. And child of God, single people in this room, please know and hear me when I say this, that God sees you. He loves you. You're usable. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to stop yourself and give up because He has not only promised you a harvest, He has not only promised you a return for your work, He's protecting you in the process. (laughs) You can't help but smile when you think about it. Amen? Y'all's way too quiet. This is too good preaching for you to be so quiet. Kids are getting it. There you are. You are awake. All right. Verse 12. Last part of verse 12 in closing this morning. He says, A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now, when I do marriage ceremonies, a lot of people will do the whole cord. Has anybody ever seen them do the cord of three strands thing? It's a, great, it's a great testimony and an awesome visual about the power of Christ in a marriage. You know, all through this passage in Ecclesiastes, it talks about two, 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 two. And then all of a sudden it says a cord of three. Well, what's the third strand? The third strand is Christ. The third strand is the power of God in our lives that makes us strong. Now, we use this, we use this for marriage, but again, folks, it's not just about marriage. It talks about a friend. Do you know that two friends bound together, joined together in a cause or a mission of Christ, where two or more are gathered, there am I what? I'm in their midst. (laughs) Two brothers, two sisters joined in the same cause and purpose of Christ. A husband and wife joined together in marriage, in honor before God, and strengthened by His Spirit in their lives. It's the strengthening factor. But too often... The single people will look at this and say, wow, we're just not, I'm not strong because there's only me. No, child of God, there's two. There's you in Christ and there's also brothers and sisters in Christ joined with the same purpose. With you, you're not alone. And also, even if it was just you in Christ, can I tell you something true? That the same one that makes the three strong is the same one that makes the two strong. What makes the two strong is the same one that makes the one strong. You say, what do you mean? Cord of uh, three strands, husband, wife, and the third strand of Christ joining them together. The only reason they're strong is because of Christ in their lives. And the one, the only reason one is strong is because of Christ in their life. You have the same strengthening power inside of you that a married couple has inside of them. You by yourself with Christ is much stronger than a couple who is joined together without Christ. Don't ever sell yourself short. Don't ever look at yourself as less than. Don't you dare say God cannot use me or God will not use me. Child of God, you single individuals in this room, everybody, but especially our singles, you are usable. If you were to do a study on the scripture, you'd find a lot of single people doing a lot of great things. Can't help but think of John the Baptist. Had no taste in clothes, but he was powerful. And apparently no taste buds either. Good grief. I'll eat the wild honey, but you can keep your locust. Listen, man, John the Baptist ministered with power. Undivided. 
focused, a voice crying out in the wilderness. Jesus likened him to Elijah and said he was the Elijah that has come. But even though Elijah will come and restore all things before the end, this one, Elijah has already come and they've, they've killed him. And the disciples realized, wow, he's talking about John the Baptist. Jesus said this about John the Baptist. He said, he said, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, a single guy. Don't sell yourself short. Paul himself was a single man and had given himself completely to the gospel and, and, and looked more like Jesus than any of the other apostles than I can imagine. You say, why? Because he received the similar punishments in his life. He had suffered more. He had gone further with the gospel. He's written a large portion of the New Testament. Folks, this was a single guy who gave himself completely to the cause of Christ. I can't help but look at Mary and Martha, a couple of single women who overlooked in the scripture a lot of times. And Martha gets kind of a bad rap because she was the one that was working all the time. Well, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and praying, seeking the Lord. And Martha, she was always working. Listen, some people are gifted workers. That's what they do. They're high energy. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to give. And, and you know that that's not necessarily wrong. Martha was just doing it at the wrong time. Or maybe she wasn't doing it at the wrong time. She just had the wrong attitude about it. And she got mad at it because her sister was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he says, Martha, Mary has chosen the better thing at this time. And then there's Mary who loves to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and listen and, and, and be taught. Do you know we've got to have both a Martha and Mary mentality? You know, we can't be a Martha and only work and never seek Jesus because if we do that, everything's going to be done wrong. And we can't be Mary who just only sits at the feet of Jesus and never gets up and does anything. We've got to have both. And these are a couple single ladies who set a great example and some other examples I won't go into. Folks, my point is this. Do not, do not lessen your value in your heart and mind. The only time Paul said, he said he requires marriage in these situations is that if a man or a woman cannot control themselves. There is not a justification to live in sin. There's not a justification to pursue our lusts. So if we're a single person, there's got to be holiness connected with the work we do. Amen? And, and if, if, if we can't do it, bless God, we need to get married. <laughs> Amen? And then keep that inside that marital relationship and then focus ourselves on the call of God. Paul said this about singleness in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. He said that he is gifted in it. He said, I wish all men were as I am. He said, but... But one man has one gift and a man has another gift. Paul considered his singleness a gift. I was not gifted with that. I needed to get married and I needed to get married quick. But there are probably people in this room that are gifted with singleness. Don't lessen them because of that. Amen? And and, and allow them to throw themselves into the ministry and to work hard at it. God wants to use us. He wants to bless us with with the things he's gifted us for. We need to throw ourselves into the river of God and see what he does with it. And trust him with the results. You are useful. You are seen by God. You are heard by God. You are loved by God. And you are useful for his kingdom. Don't sell yourself short. I told the early service just joking with him. I said, I think I, I want to call all of our single people up front and make you look at them and then pray for them. I'm not going to do that. 
few of them told me last week, they said, Pastor, it's kind of awkward, but I liked it. I, I appreciate you talking about it. I was uncomfortable because I felt like you were talking to me the whole time. It's like, because I, I was. We love you. Your church family loves you. Amen? After we spoke on it last week, I had, we had prime timers. And what I loved about our prime timers is we, we were getting ready to eat and our prime timers who usually say, Pastor, would you and your wife go first? And we never do. They said, we would love for our singles to go first. That was powerful. And, and I love that. I love that the word of God is, is, is penetrating our hearts and we're beginning to have our eyes open to what's taking place around us. And I had several people say, Pastor, I didn't think there were that many singles, but when I started thinking about it, thinking about who sits around me, there are. There are a lot. We love you. You're a part of our church. You're an important part of our church. And we're here for you. And we love to see you grow in grace and see you plugged in and working for the Lord. Amen. Father, we just thank you for our time together. We pray blessing upon all of our folks that are here, our singles, our married folks as well, God. And we just ask that you would go with us, go with us in power, go with us in grace, and allow us, Lord, to be used by your kingdom uh, for your will. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.